It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. I'm still a little Castro guy, though, because I think, (laughs) you know, watching spring training early on, the pitch clock has gotten all the attention. We talked all about it on WFAN. You know, you guys talked about it on Monday. I talked about it on Monday. Very big deal. And even to this day, like we're four or five days into spring training. That's a topic that's not going to go away because people have an opinion on it, even though most people love it, even though you, Pete, for whatever reason, hate it. But I'm not bringing that up. My point is stolen bases are way up. Like stolen bases are way, way, way up. The stolen base percentage is way up. The attempts and steals are way up. So knowing that that's probably going to be a thing, A, importance on catcher. Let's start with that because you're also defending this. You know, guys are running on you. So I think that for the first time in a long time, we're going to see a pushback. For a while, catching was all about your arm behind the plate. That would be the number one stat you would look at if you were looking at any stat would be, does he throw out base runners? The biggest knock on Mike Piazza was throwing out base runners. What kind of pitch framer was Mike Piazza? I have no idea. I know he was good at blocking balls in the dirt. Truthfully, he was not good at throwing runners out. He wasn't. And that's kind of gone away over the last five to 10 years because guys don't run that much. So throwing guys out didn't matter as much. What mattered was stealing strikes. And it still does matter. Pitch framing is going to matter until we have a robo on. But all of a sudden, it's going to start to matter again if you're throwing out 35% of base stealers as opposed to 17% of base stealers because we're going to see more base running. A part of why... I really like the idea of Lo Castro making this team is because of that. You know, Mets play a close game late in the ball game. I want Lo Castro on base to basically steal second base immediately. There's going to be a lot of situations where that's going to make sense. Obviously, Mauricio, Beatty, it's more appealing. They're the future. We'd love to see them make the team. Totally get that. Not saying I don't, but I, I think the likes of LaCastro becomes more valuable. Terrence Gore from last year becomes more valuable because I think that stolen bases are going to be a weapon and you don't want to be left behind with guys that aren't stealing bases. Keep an eye on that. That is one thing I've definitely noticed in the first five days of spring training. The pitch clock is going to take up most of the attention because it's extreme. I mean, you look at these times of games, it's, it really is crazy. I mean, these games are 220, 230, 215. I saw a game the other day. It was 205. Like, 205. Like, what, what is this, 1961? What the hell is happening? And then if a game's over three hours, my new reaction is, wow, what a long game. I mean, meanwhile, that was the average last year. Uh, the other thing, I don't know if anyone's freaking out about it, so maybe I'm talking to nobody when I say this. Jose Quintana made his first start as a New York Met in spring training and got his ass kicked. There's no defending it. He was awful. So here's my rule of thumb with bad spring training starts. Number one, is he healthy? 
Does he come out of the start feeling okay? And yes, a little check mark there. Jose Quintana talked about what went wrong, but there was no, my elbow was sore. My arm is sore. I need an MRI. My velocity's down. So check number one, okay, he's fine healthily, healthy. Check number two is when he makes his second start and third start, is he going to get his ass kicked again? Because obviously if that turns into a trend, then you start to get not necessarily worried based on performance, but it goes back to the first thing I said. You start to get worried about health. I'm not there yet with Jose Quintana at one bad game. I admit, you have a second bad game? Okay, you're a little more worried. A third bad game? Now you start to panic. Quintana last year, and this is a part of why I was so excited about that signing and why I think it's going to to work out better than necessarily what Taiwan Walker hit was last year and the year before that. I'm enamored by what he did down the stretch. And it started slightly before the Pirates traded him to the St. Louis Cardinals. His last two starts he made with the Pittsburgh Pirates, he pitched seven scoreless innings and five and two-thirds scoreless innings. So he left the Pirates with 12 and two-thirds scoreless innings. He then goes to St. Louis in the middle of a pennant race, and here are his starts. Listen to what this guy did. Six innings, one run. Six innings, two runs. Five innings, two runs. There's a couple of duds in here. Two and two-thirds, four runs. Five innings, four runs. Then it gets back to good. Four and two-thirds, two runs. Five innings, one run. Five and two-thirds, one run. Eight innings, no runs. And you know why I remember that eight-inning no-run game? It was a one-nothing game, Pete. I watched it because I picked him up in the fantasy playoffs. He gave me eight scoreless innings. I was so pumped. It didn't help me. I lost anyway. Six and two-thirds, zero runs. Five innings, one run, and then three scoreless innings as a postseason tune-up. He was tremendous. I mean, he was great. Like, not just from that last game with the Pirates, but then in the postseason. And then he starts game one of the wild card series against the Phillies and goes five and a third inning, zero runs. Pitched the shutout in the playoffs against the Phillies. He was so brilliant in the second half of the season. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's just going to pick up where he left off, but that's what really helped enamor me to Quintana. It just independent race trade deadline as good as it gets. So I know it's still his first start, like you said, and people still getting used to the pitch clock, but didn't he kind of say that he felt a little rushed? He felt a little uneasy with the pitch clock. He did kind of make, I thought he made a comment about that. Yeah, he did. And that's another reason why I wouldn't care. Because, sure, I mean, it's your first start with it. I totally respect that. I, I, I get that. And I think that everyone's going to have to make an adjustment. We talked about it last time on the Rico that Pete Alonso takes forever, apparently, which is not something I even noticed as a Met fan over the last four years. Shame on me. Never noticed that. And Pete Alonso had a home run in his first at-bat. He's still, still making an adjustment, but he had success. Jose Quintana's making a start. He's in trouble right from the get-go. Now he's thinking about, oh, my God, I got to make a pitch now. And, and, oh, by the way, I'm working with a new catcher, right? I'm I'm learning these guys. So you would think that maybe the Mets are going to have more of an adjustment because you've got Quintana learning new catchers. You've got Sanga learning new everything. I mean, Kodai Sanga is going to really have to deal with this. Verlander and Scherzer, for, obviously Scherzer's been here. Verlander 
he's a pro, but maybe it'll affect him. He's going to make his first start over the weekend. We'll see. So, yeah, I could see how that would be a negative effect. But here's the beautiful thing. You're going to make five, six spring training starts. You're going to get a lot of time to get these kinks out. But I would understand it's normal that it's something new. It's something different. It's not just going to click right away. It's going to affect each guy differently. So, yeah, totally get it. He did say it. Hopefully it doesn't affect him in his second start. No, listen, then if it it may take till the opening day for him to get it right. I mean, we make it sound like it's that that easy, but like again, I keep on saying I keep on thinking about and I don't want to make it about the pitch clock, but I keep on thinking in a situation, a guy might just go back to his normal habits. A guy might take a deep breath and forget to get back in the box. Just have a brain fart. Like things are gonna happen. It's gonna well, there's gonna be pressure built situations that they're not always prepared for. Yeah, one thing to keep an eye on: Luis Severino on the Yankee side of things was trying out the new pitch com where the pitcher can tell the catcher what they want to throw. And Severino used it and after the game said, I think this is the greatest invention in the history of baseball because he really liked the control of, hey, I'm not going to shake you off five times. There's a pitch clock. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to hit my belt buckle and I'm going to tell you the exact pitch I'm going to throw. So I don't know. Maybe maybe more players have to try that out. Hey, it's spring training for everybody, man. You got to figure out what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, well, wait for that belt buckle not to work, and then they have to have a timeout to fix the belt buckle, change the belt buckle. I mean, listen, I I like it, but I got to be honest. I'm surprised you're not going to go less digital now. Like, you got to get the – you can't mess around with the signs. If the the hat's not working, if the the guy's got to click the button, isn't it quicker just to get the signs down? Yeah, it, it it's interesting. So Pitchcom last year, Chris Bassett, how many times, or not just Chris Bassett, but other pitchers, where Pitchcom caused the game to take longer because, oh, wait, I can't hear you. Let's do the signs again. Oh, wait, I can't hear you. Let's do the signs again. Now you don't have an option. You're just going to throw a freaking pitch, which leads to advantage hitter. The pitcher is throwing a pitch they don't want to throw. Whatever. Get over it and figure it out. That's my advice. (laughs) And I I noticed that, and I mentioned this on the afternoon show, that the Mets spring training game on Monday was aired on ESPN, and it was the highest-rated spring training game in seven years. And the highest-rated spring training game since like a prime-time spring training game. This was a Monday at 1 o'clock. I don't think it was the hype for the Mets. I think it was the rules. And that doesn't mean it's a complement to the rules, that's not me saying, oh, you see, everybody loves the pitch clock. No, it's people being intrigued by it. I do. I think what other reason would there be for Mets Cardinals on a Monday afternoon to be the highest rated spring training game in seven years? I mean, maybe it's just because people love Pete Alonso and he really is the next MVP of uh, or the next face <laughs> of baseball. That's got to be it. All right, we got a bunch of emails, so I figured we would spend a good amount of today's pod responding a, a variety of questions. And we always appreciate it when you email the pod at the B at gmail.com. So we'll start off with Frank. Frank writes, Evan Hoff, huge fan of the show. Didn't I say I would stop reading that kind of stuff? We don't need compliments, but we appreciate it, Frank. I, I know this is part of the Met offseason and it's old news, but... I still can't understand the catcher transactions. Why did we sign Narvaez and pay all that money for McCann to play elsewhere 
and also block our stud prospect for potentially two years, a Nito extension, and I believe Narvaez has a player option on the second year. Help me love these moves. LOL. All right. I give you my answer to this. First of all, Tomas Nito is the definition of a backup catcher. And there's nothing wrong with that. He is the quintessential backup catcher. He's really solid defensively. He's got a great relationship with everybody. He can't really hit, though every once in a while he'll accidentally against a lefty hit a double up the alley. And he's funny. He he just everything, all those qualities are just labeled perfect backup catchers. Let's put him to the side. He, he should be here for a while, and there's nothing wrong with that. You need a backup catcher. Then you get to Omar Narvaez. I think Omar Narvaez is here for one, two, three different reasons. Number one, a tutor for Francisco Alvarez. I think that's a huge factor in this. Narvaez has become, uh, he's developed, I give him credit, into a much better pitch framing catcher over the last couple of years. Uh, He's a countryman of Francisco Alvarez. That seems like a kind of a dopey stereotype. Ooh, they're from the same country. They must have a great relationship. Trust me. There's plenty of Americans I can't stand. So, but I throw it out there because it's a thing. Uh, And they just don't think, they do not think, based on this move and based on their comments, as much as I may hate it and Pete may hate it and Frank may hate it, they don't think Alvarez is ready. Period. They don't think he's ready to carry a catching load. They just, they don't. And so for a team that's trying to win a championship, and with a team with a very veteran pitching rotation, they put a premium on defense and they put a premium on not just Evans, but Narvaez is a left-hand hitter. So he is that platoon partner for Nito when you're thinking about offense because Narvaez can hit right-handed pitching. I mentioned Nito will occasionally run into an RBI double against the lefty. So the platoon fits. They're both sturdy defensive players. And I think they look at Narvaez as an excellent teacher for Francisco Alvarez, who they don't think is ready to catch the majority of the games at the major league level. That's your answer. I'm not sure that's going to make Frank happy, though, Pete. Can I give you something that makes Frank happy or should make Frank happy? The reality is, is Narvarez is not – I'm saying uh, it's Narvarez. I'm saying it wrong. Narvarez. There you go. Narvarez. There we go. He is not here long term. So look what they did with James McCann. They got rid of him if when time came to. I don't think they're planning on doing that right away with Omar. Could make that easier, Omar. But uh, th- there's always that possibility. If when Francisco Alvarez is ready, if they have too many catchers, either they suit them up, and again, DH is still a possibility for Alvarez, or they could just trade away Novaez. Or they could cut yeah. it. Like that, that that's something maybe that's not gonna happen this year, but that's always next year if they pick up his option. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about twenty twenty four. We'll figure out twenty twenty four, but in twenty twenty three they don't think he's ready. I mean the Mets can't be more honest about it. They do not think he's ready defensively to catch this staff the majority of the time. Will there come a point where they're confident enough for him to catch once or twice a week and DH the rest of the time? Maybe. That was what I laid out at the beginning of this offseason as kind of my vision for Francisco Alvarez, where he was never going to be the full-time catcher, at least in my eyes. I thought, he catches half the time, he DHs half the time, let's go. The Mets don't even have that confidence at this I, point. I, and, I, and I told you, that if there's a, 
injury early on, Mikel Perez is coming up, not not Francisco Alvarez. No, I mean, you're right, because they don't have the confidence in Alvarez catching. It's not going to change because there's an injury. 